0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up
1: in today's edition. John has always got the burden of confirming and affirming to us the divinity of Jesus. Four men, four different viewpoints, same Christ. Y'all follow me so far? I want to establish you in the Word of God. I want you to understand that this book can be counted on, walked on, lived by. You won't find a better wisdom book than this one. And no other book in the world is going to lead you to Jesus Christ for salvation, uniquely and exclusively like this one.
0: Have you ever been let down by the wisdom of the world? Have you ever tried to fix your problems on your own, but to no avail? Today, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that the only wisdom you need to follow if you want to move past the mistakes that are holding you hostage is God's perfect wisdom. As good as they might make you feel, no amount of self-help books, therapy, or drugs will put your demons to bed. If you truly want to be transformed and experience fresh renewal, give your heart to the Lord. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1 as he begins his message, The Message in the Storm.
1: We're going through Mark with Jesus And as I've shared with you, Mark, is the action gospel. It's the gospel of action. We've seen that these synoptic gospels, and what are the synoptic gospels? And and, you know, I I share these things with you because I want you to understand your Bible. I'm not here to tickle your ear or give you a feel-good message or harp on the same theme year after year. I want you to know your Bible because our faith is under attack in this nation. And so if anybody produces... People who know their Bible, I want to be one of them. And so when I say synoptics, you ought to know what that means. Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, means a synopsis or a summary of the life of Jesus from three different viewpoints. John stands on its own. John's, John is totally unique. He's not one of the synoptics, but the first three are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. What you see in the synoptic Gospels or in the synopses, of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as they recount for us the life of Jesus, what you see is that they share with you and I what they saw through their eyes. What is a witness? A witness is somebody who saw something. That's what a witness is. You're not a witness unless you've seen something, experienced something. Then you can tell about it. So, I tell people all the time, you can't, you can't give what you don't have. You can't share what you've never experienced. But these men, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, were witnesses. John said, we were eyewitnesses. We touched him. We heard him. We walked with him. We handled the word of life. And so, you have different perspectives on the life of Jesus, but it's the same life. Just seen through different eyes. I want you to understand when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, if you read it enough, you will will begin to sense very distinctly different personalities. These were real men telling a real story from their eyes, and they were different. I find it beautiful that God did not negate their personalities, their unique personalities, when the Spirit of God moved on them as they wrote down the holy word of God. He did not negate. That's why I tell people who seem to be afraid of Jesus, well, if I come to Jesus, he's gonna turn me into a freak. No, he turns freaks into people. He does not negate your unique personality. I'm Jeff, always been Jeff, always will be Jeff. What I share of Jesus comes through Jeff. And every one of you, you have your own flavor your own angle, your own unique experiences. Nobody's got the experiences you do because you're you. And we need to understand that. It's a blessing to me. See, the Holy Spirit of God, how did he give us the word? At 1 Peter 1, 2021. Here's how we got the Bible. He says, above all, says Simon Peter, former blue-collar fisherman, former failure. Huh? Here's what he says, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. He's telling us the Word of God wasn't conjured, wasn't made up. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's not a brother's grim. That's not how it came about. He says, no, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. They were carried along by the Holy Spirit like a breeze blows a sailboat across a lake. They were carried along. They didn't fall into a trance mm, and write without opening their eyes like you see in some of the horror movies and junk. None of that. These were just men moved on by the Holy Spirit and they wrote as the Spirit carried them or bore them along. Now, let's look at another verse. 2 Timothy, read this with me, can you? All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. I like the first one, and I like the last one. I don't like rebuking, and I don't like correction. Do you? But that's what the Word of God's good for. Now, how did he say we got it? Hang right there. Okay, there we go. God-breathed. It was God-breathed. The Greek word is theo theonoustos. The Greek word for God is theos. Neustos is breathed out. So it's telling us that literally God exhaled, breathed out the Word of God, theonoustos. God breathed. Remember when Jesus blew on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit? It's like that. He breathed, the the word is breathed out of the very nature of God. It comes from the very essence of who God is. They were carried along by the God-breathed word. That's powerful. I'm telling you, I tell you all the time, I'll tell you again, this book is not normal. There is no other book like this on planet Earth, none. There's great books. I've read thousands of them, but there's no book like this one. No book like this one. No book can claim that these words, every one of them, and that's what we mean by when we say inerrant. Inerrant means every word is breathed out of God, and in the original manuscripts, there's no mistakes. There's no mistakes. Now, I want you to see that Jesus predicted the coming of the New Testament. Look what he said in John 14, 26. Jesus said, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And he'll, what everybody? Remind you of everything I have said to you. That's powerful. He's saying, here's gonna be one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Through my apostles, I am going to visit them with the Holy Spirit, and one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is gonna be to remind them to the T of everything I said in their hearing so that when you open up Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. But all those words in red, Jesus predicted when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna be certain that what the apostles write down is exactly what I said to you. He's gonna bring it to your remembrance. Now, why does this matter? It matters because this book is being assailed in our generation. And people are saying, however you believe that book, you're antiquated, you're stupid, you're ignorant, you're not educated, you're backward, you need to come up to speed. Everybody knows that's not the full word of God, full of myths and fables and allegories and metaphors and similes and things that really aren't real or to be taken literally. But I'm going to tell you what, there was a real Adam and Eve. And there was a real Jonah that got swallowed in a belly of a whale. The word of God says so. You say, well, there wasn't any real Adam and Eve. Well, if you're an evolutionist, you had your Adam and Eve. They came crawling out of some muck a couple of billion years ago and developed legs and finally stood up. There's your Adam and Eve, but you had one. As for me, I like my Adam and Eve. Amen? God made them. And so we see here, I just want you to understand that when we read Mark, and next time you see the red ink in the Bible, the words of Jesus, remember that he said, the Spirit of God's gonna move on my apostles and he's gonna to bring to your remembrance everything I said to you. And that's how you know the teachings are accurate. We lean on the Holy Spirit and it makes total sense. It's logical, it's not irrational. Now, the gospels differ in perspective, but they agree in content. I see all the personality differences. Let me just give you a couple of ways to look at the four Gospels. Matthew focuses on the teachings of Jesus. Mark on the actions of Jesus. Luke on the healings of Jesus. Dr. Luke, a physician, uh, no surprise, he would focus on the healings of Jesus. John on the divinity of Jesus. Four different men, four different viewpoints, same Christ. Another way to look at it, in Matthew, he's the son of God. In Mark, he's the active servant in Luke, he's the son of man, sent to Jew and Gentile. And in John, he's the son of God. John has always got the burden of confirming and affirming to us the divinity of Jesus. Four men, four different viewpoints, same Christ. Y'all follow me so far? I want to establish you in the word of God. I want you to understand that this book can be counted on, walked on, lived by. You won't find a better wisdom book than this one. And no other book in the world is gonna lead you to Jesus Christ for salvation uniquely and exclusively like this one. I wanna bring out one story, one of my favorite stories. And let's look at it here. I gotta to talk to you about, I wanna call this The Message in the Storm. How many of you have been through a storm in the last 10 years? Just about everybody. The rest of you, I want your secret. Come up and talk to me. If you have been through a storm... And I'm talking about a spiritual storm of some kind where your faith was rattled, tested and shaken. Let's look at this now, the message in the storm. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. And I want you to say the next four words with me. Just as he was, boy, I love that. Just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him a furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. That means he was in the captain's chair. He was just asleep in the captain's chair, okay? And there he was sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up fully believing he had not a clue what was going on with them. And what'd they say, everybody? Teacher, don't you care if we drown? What'd they call him? Teacher. Not savior here. They called him, say it again, teacher. The disciples had two words for Jesus, Lord, teacher. Now let's go to the next part. He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. First, they were terrified of the storm. Then they were terrified of this dude in the captain's chair who talks to the wind and the waves. And what did they ask? Who is this? Now, I want you to underline that because that's exactly where he wanted them. Now, what did they say? Even the wind and the waves obey him and went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And what they were about to encounter was the Gadarene demoniac. And what chapter five, verse one says is, after they asked this question, they crossed over to the other side. They crossed over to the other side. Now, I always see so many things in stories like this. It just jumps out at me. These stories were given so that we can understand life, so that we can understand our walk with God. And I want you to notice that the first thing we've got here is Jesus telling him, his disciples to go somewhere, to go from point A to point B. Jesus never let his people sit stagnant, not for long. Now, how many of you in here think you're one of his people? Are you, one of, are you a, an apprentice, a disciple? Well, you're here on Wednesday nights, that says a lot. Not that people who aren't here, and don't go tell them I said that. But what I'm saying is this, I want you to notice that Jesus said, get in the boat and I want you to go to the other side. The nature of Jesus, and that's who we're following here, is to challenge us. The Lord is a challenging Messiah. I want to tell you, if you're following him and you think life's going to be easy or uneventful, wake up. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better wake up quick because it's not going to be that way. It's going to be peaceful. It's going to be fruitful. But I want you to notice that our Lord Jesus Christ is a Lord who challenges us. He said, I want you to go to the other side. Now I got a million dollar question for you. Do you think he knew a storm was going to crop up in the middle of that lake? Because he never says what? Well, I'll be. He never does. He never says, well, I'll be. He knew there was going to be a storm. Now your Jesus is the same one here the one that saved you. And I want to submit to you that he is going to say to you throughout your life in some way, in some arena of your life, he's going to challenge you to go to the other side of somewhere from point A to point B. It might be in your marriage. It might be in your job. It might be in what you do in his name, ministry of some kind. I don't know, because I'm not you, but I do know with me, since I was saved, he's never left me alone. He's always challenged me. This was a challenge. And you know what? We're gonna have another one as soon as we're done with this one, because that's Jesus, because he always challenges our faith. And it's a good thing. It may be a goal that he gives you, or a healing. He, He challenges you to walk towards healing, moral healing, physical healing, mental healing. He challenges you. Let's go to the other side. It may be an act of obedience. And he just says, I, I want you to do this. And, and to go from point A to point B, a little bit scary, a little bit scary. Or maybe you're a, ta- a task that you're to complete. He wants you to complete a task. So he says, let's go to the other side. And you know it. He has a way of letting you know. You, you just know in your knower that he wants you to do something. So he says to these guys, and they're sitting there, they're comfortable, they're okay on the other shore, he says, I want you to get into the boat, and I want you to go the other side. Now, what I love about it is they took Jesus just like he was. They didn't take a made-up Jesus, they didn't take the Jesus of their liking. It says, Mark lets us know they took Jesus just like he was. I want the real Jesus, I don't want an American Jesus, amen? I don't want a Western Jesus, I want the real Jesus, They took him just like he was, and thank God they got him in the boat. I want you to say with me, thank God he's in my boat. (laughs) And he got right into the captain's chair, right into the stern, and fell asleep. But at least he was there. Now, like the disciples, whatever it is he tells you to do, it's important that you do it because you know that it's God's will. And, And I've learned this about God. He won't let you go to C until you finish B. He won't. You keep trying to go to C, he'll say, wait, you need to go back to B. I took you from A to B, not A to R. I took you from A to B. And here you are trying to go to C when you hadn't done B. I did not pre-think that. That's just coming out as I talk. But I want you to think about it. Whatever it is, it's important that you do it because it's God's will. You know that deep down inside. It's the will of God. And God's will will often cause you to feel a level of pressure because God's will always requires faith and it always requires more than you can come up with on your own. If you could do God's will, it wouldn't be God's will. I don't think God has spoken to me unless what I feel I've been told to do is beyond what Jeff could do. If Jeff could do it, it's probably not God. If Jeff can't do it without God, it's probably God. It's gotta be Jeff and God. Lately, it's been little bitty Jeff, great big God. It's gonna bring a level of pressure because you know that he wants you to do it, but you feel incapable of doing it because of your limitation as a human being. You look at it and you go, how could I possibly do this? But I want you to remember a principle now. When God tells you to do something, point A, he says, I want you to leave point A and go to point B, You've got a promise and you've got a provision. He gives you the promise when you're standing in point A. He gives you the provision when you arrive at point B. But in between, there's always a problem. Between point A and point B, there's a storm, there's a problem, there's a test. One time when the disciples went across the sea, it says they were straining at rowing. There wasn't any great big storm. They were just like they were in a dream, pulling that oar and feeling like they weren't getting anywhere. One step forward, two steps back. Ever had that feeling? Yeah? Because here they were straining at rowing. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever been on a lake like this and rowing in a boat. I got stuck in the boat one time in the middle of Lake Pool, uh, Joe Pool Lake when it first came in. I sold my boat before I got to shore. (laughs) <laughs> because I could not. I got way out there. Joe Pool Lake was brand new and I took my fishing tackle out there and I was just going to fish, me and alone with Jesus and I thought it was going to be great. And I got out there and that engine died. All I had was one of these little half oars. I spoke to that engine, rebuked that engine, named it, claimed it, blabbed it, grabbed it. It still wouldn't start. And finally, I had to pick up this little oar. It, this is a bass boat with an Evinrude engine. And I'm going... And I'm praying, God, please send somebody. Nobody. I said, God wants me to get rid of this boat. (laughs) And it took me hours to get to shore. And it's so frustrating when you're in the water because you can't tell that you're getting any closer. And that's how they felt. I'm straining at rowing and I'm not getting anywhere. Ever feel that way in your walk with God? You ever feel that way? Come on, everybody. I know it's Wednesday night, but I'm talking to you now. You're straining to seek God, straining to do the right thing. And it seems like you're not getting anywhere. It just seems like you're not seeing what you thought you would see. There's no breakthrough like you thought was going to come. And you're just out there in the middle of the lake sweating and crying and wondering why he told you to go out there in the first place. <laughs> but in the other one, it was not a wind that kept blowing against them and just sort of hindering them. This was a major storm and it scared them. And so here they are, they're doing the will of God he told me to go out here. He told me to do this. What is this storm doing here when he's the one who told me to go? Here's the moral of the story. Just because Jesus tells you to do it doesn't mean there's not going to be no storm. Bad English, good preaching. Doesn't mean there's not going to be no storm. Now, we got to understand something here. He never promised us a rose garden. Every rose has its thorns. And I know that's a dated saying, but it's so true. But every thorn has roses. Storms often kick up on the way from A to B. Look at, look at the, the, uh, the people in the wilderness. God says to them in Egypt, they're crying and wailing. Get us out of here. God says, okay, finally. After 400 years of wailing and crying, he sends Moses. He gets them out with a promise. I'm going to take you to the promised land. Point A is Egypt. Point B is the promised land. But in between... There was a problem called the wilderness, and they never made it out. First generation never made it out. They didn't learn to navigate through it. Storms often arise when you're headed to the other side of somewhere. Wherever your somewhere is, storms can kick up. Difficulties, trials that test you and bring you down before God. And I'm just telling you this so that I can say with Peter, don't be amazed at the fiery trial which is to try you as though some weird thing were happening to you. He never promised you a rose garden. He just promised to get you there. He just promised to get you there. (laughs) I took my daughter a long time ago. I took her to Six Flags, never again. Never, ever again. She talked me into the worst ride on there. And I thought, well, because it was father-daughter day, I'd get on it, do it for my daughter. You know what? Let another father-daughter day come. I will never get on this ride again for my daughter. I forget what it was called, but it didn't do justice to what it did to me. I got on this thing and it was like, I had to keep saying to myself, I trust them. I know they're going to get me there. I know there's an end to this, but it went around. It went down and up and backwards and then forwards. I'm telling you, I pleaded the blood 1,000 times. And when we got in, the camera snapped a picture of me. You'll never see that picture. In your walk with Christ, have you
0: ever felt stuck in your tribulations? Have you ever felt like you can't move on from the sins that you return to time and time again? In the message we just heard from Pastor Jeff, he showed us what it takes to use your difficult moments as a springboard for blessings. Everything that happens in your life is ultimately for the best when you let God take the wheel. Stop trying to fix everything on your own and give your burdens to Jesus. Here's Diane with some more info about Hardwired. Are you interested in partnering with us here at Hardwired? We'd love for you to come alongside us in supporting this ministry. All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. That number once more is 817 484 4767 and text GIVE. Thanks so much for prayerfully considering this today and thanks for listening. Daniel has more to tell you about what's ahead on the upcoming edition. It's easy to feel pushed to the limit by God. Whether it's a series of difficult trials or a tragedy that's too hard to bear, it's inevitable to face these situations. In his next message on Hardwired, Pastor Jeff wants to show you how to use your lowest moments for the glory of God. You don't have to live in your despair. Never cease giving all of your energy to the Lord. Praise Him in every season of life, no matter how difficult the going gets. He is working everything for your good. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of Mark, next time on hardwire